if you've been with us through this December series, we've been talking about the oddest gifts of all. These strange, odd gifts that were gifted to the child Jesus by the wise men, by the magi. Now, if you don't know the story, let me just give you a refresher. Jesus, born of a virgin in a manger uh, in a desolate town, and he's gifted these three gifts by these wise men, these magi. Now, wise men, magi are wealthy Gentiles. Um, they, they traveled, what we know in the story is they traveled a long distance to bow down before Jesus and give these gifts. What we don't know, we don't know how many there actually were. Nativity scenes and things like that, we assume three because of the gifts given, but we don't know how many actually came to worship Jesus that day. We do know the gifts that they gave, though. Frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Strange gifts. We've been reading in, uh, in Matthew's account of this, Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 10. When they saw the star, when the Magi, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They were anticipating something. They entered the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So for the past few weeks, we've been looking at these odd gifts. We've been looking at their practical application of how, how a family could practically use these gifts. But we've been also spending more time on their spiritual significance. Like why these gifts? Because they will actually give us a window into the life that Jesus is about to step into, into the true significance of why he is born. Frankincense, for example, in week one, Tracy showed us, was an incense burned in the temple. And it symbolizes Jesus being our intercessor for our relationship with God, that he will ascend like that incense in the temple, and he will sit at the right hand of God. He is our high priest. Last week, we talked about myrrh, about this gummy substance that is used for a lot of different things, but it symbolizes Jesus as the suffering servant, the Lamb of God, the one who would suffer immensely so that we could live eternally. Myrrh was mixed with wine, for example, at Jesus's, when Jesus was dying on the cross, it was offered to him to alleviate some of the pain. He denied it. Later, a couple of hours later, uh, myrrh would have been used to embalm Jesus's dead body as it was a major ingredient in that. So these, these substances, these gifts, they, say they signify something far grander than just gifts. And then finally, gold. Today we're talking about the gift of gold, and throughout history, because of the scarcity and the value of gold, it has been often attributed to a gift fit for a king. So today we are going to talk about the kingship of gold. Jesus. Before we do that, though, I want to play a game. We did this last week. We had a little bit of fun. It's, it's the holiday season. It's about laughter. It's about spending time together. And so we're going to play a, a simple game uh, about kings. And I want everybody to participate. There's no points. They don't matter, just like whose lines it anyways. You don't have to keep track. You don't win anything. You just call out the answer. And the church body, we will play this together. So the game is simple. I'm going to put an image up here. And this has zero spiritual value, so don't take anything. You don't have to take notes at this part. I'm going to put an image up here. I'm going to give you one statement. And all I need you to do is give me the king associated with those things. You just yell it out, all right? You can 
like competition against the person sitting next to you who can get it quicker. All right, so I'll give you a softball right here. We have Simba. All right, see? Ah, that was easy, right? Just loosen up the bones. All right, here we go. A little harder, but we'll stay inside the media. Uh, gorilla. Good, good. And then one more easy one for you, Burger. Okay, you just had to add King on that one. That was, that was a good one. All right, let's get a little harder here. Now, this next one, I couldn't find an image that I felt good putting up at church. And you'll get what I mean. So our word is horror. There it is, Stephen King. So I made my own image. You can see super scary thing up there, image scary thing. Yeah, just imagine scary things on the screen. But you get the idea. Stephen King. All right, a little more cryptic, basketball. Yeah, so <laughs> we know who the LeBron fan in the crowd is over there. Yeah, I don't agree, especially this year, but King James, LeBron James. All right, a uh, little harder, interviews. Larry King, good. <laughs> half the, uh, half, all of our younger people are like, who? Like, who's that? All right, this is for my boomers. Tennis. Billie Jean King. Again, anybody not a boomer has no idea who this is on the screen, but you got it. All right, two more. Two more. Blues. B.B. King. Man, y'all are a lot better at this than I thought. All right, and then last one, jazz. Yeah, there you go. Nat King Cole. There you go. You got it. All right, so the wise men brought gifts fit for a king, right? And today, I want to talk to you about the kingship of Jesus. Why did the Magi bring gold and gift it to a child? Now, we've mentioned a lot of kings here, and we just mentioned a lot just in our culture, and in this world, there were a lot of kings, but Jesus is like, is a king like no other king, amen? Jesus is a king like no other kings. Jesus is not just another king tacked on to the end of this list. Jesus is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. He says as much to his protege, Timothy, as he's writing a letter to this young man. He says, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Now, here's what you don't see in this statement, is that in Greek, there is no stronger way that Paul can make this statement. The ancient Greek doesn't have exclamation points, right? This is the most emphatic way that Paul could talk about Jesus by saying he is the king of all kings. Now, this series is called The Oddest Gifts of All, and you're thinking, well, you know, I get frankincense and myrrh, but gold, that just doesn't seem too odd. I mean, we give gifts today. I mean, to a baby, it's kind of weird. But then you throw in this statement, the king of all kings, and I'm trying to find the oddity of it all. Well, the oddity is the unusual way that Jesus showed his love to the world. You see, people were expecting a king to come. They were expecting the Messiah to come to them but not this way. You see what I'm saying? Like the Jews were expecting their king to come and be born in a palace, to be surrounded by wealth and jewels and fame. 
It'd be like today, we would expect a, a famous baby to be born on a private island and wear Gucci onesies. Like that's what they were expecting of their king. Nobody expected the Messiah, the savior of the world, to be the son of a carpenter in Nazareth. You know, at that time, Nathaniel asked the question that everybody else is thinking later on in Jesus's ministry. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, certainly not the king of glory, certainly not the son of God, not this guy who would befriend prostitutes, who would touch lepers, who would love those that the religious institution deemed unworthy. No, 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 that's not the king, that's not the Messiah that they imagined, that he would choose uneducated fishermen, that he would choose rebellious troublemakers, outcasts, to be his closest disciples. You're telling me the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is going to forgive this woman caught in adultery, that he's going to forgive a woman of the night, that in the same breath, he's going to confront the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, that he'll turn the tables of those misusing the temple for profit. No, 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 no. They never imagined that the king of the Jews would come riding into Jerusalem, not on a stallion, but on a donkey. That those standing on the sideline wouldn't be the rich and the soldiers and the wealthy and other royalty, but it would be the outcast and the immoral and those who've been rejected by everybody else. Now, nobody expected their king to stand trial for crimes that he didn't commit. For their innocent king to be beaten and scourged and bruised and whipped, that the Messiah would be stripped of all of his honor and his clothes and would die naked on a cross alone, designated for traitors and slaves. No, I want to tell you about a king that is like no other king. And looking at this story in the first century, there are three distinct responses that people had to Jesus as king. And here's what's ironic is 2,000 years removed from the, what's happened here, you can still find the same three distinct responses to Jesus as king. In fact, if you would just be honest with yourself this morning, introspective, Take a moment to evaluate your life, your actions. You might find yourself dead in the middle of one of these three distinct responses to Jesus as king. Response number one is you deny him. Now in our story, this is represented with King Herod. Again, if you're not as familiar with the story, uh, King Herod is king at this time, and he's opposed to this claimed Jesus who is born, this king of the Jews. And so he does what anybody might do if they're trying to control their powers. He grips onto it tighter. He calls out a decree to have all of the children under two to be murdered in Bethlehem just to get rid of this rumor of a king, to hold tightly to what he has. Now, where does this translate over today? It's people that you know, it's your neighbors, it's your coworkers. It might even be you who make statements like, no, 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 no. I, you know, I don't need religion. 
I'll, I'll take the spirituality and, you know, faith, and there's something there, but religion, I can leave that to the side. No, I don't need that God stuff. I, I'm going to continue doing life the way I want to do it because it's convenient, it's comfortable. And even if you're here and you would never utter those words, your actions speak louder than your words. You might think you have people in here fooled, but you really don't. You can tell who has denied Jesus as king of their life and who hasn't. So maybe you deny him. Second response is you dismiss him. Now this second response is what the Jewish priests did, which is interesting because these very Jewish priests had read stories like Micah chapter 5 verse 2, which talked about a ruler coming from Bethlehem. It's like they should have known what was happening, but man, don't our expectations often blind us of reality? Our expectation, they had an expectation of what the Messiah would look like, of what the king of the Jews would do. They had an expectation and it blinded them of what, how God was actually working in the world. And this is true for us too. Our expectation of what worship should look like of how it should be conducted. It blinds us of the reality that God can be worshipped in a lot of different ways. Our expectation of what following Jesus, of being a devout follower of God, what that's supposed to look like. You're supposed to do it this way. It's supposed to transform your life in this timeline. It's supposed to happen in this amount of time lapse. It blinds us of the reality that God is working in each of our hearts individually. Our expectations, they blind us of reality. And this dismissal of Jesus, it happens all the time. You don't come to church regularly because it's not always convenient. You think, I can take Jesus, but I can leave the church. And what you're actually doing is you're decapitating Jesus from his body. You're actually robbing Jesus of his true power, which sits inside this room of his spirit working through his church. You have the access to the Word of God on your phone, on your, on your bookshelf, but it lies unopened, collecting dust. Well, I'll just, I'll read it when I have time. 2023 is going to be a new year for me, and I'm going to finally read it. Well, how long have you not had time? And when will it change? What will change? We invite people to come on mission with us. We as a church, we're literally walking into the high schools, telling kids about Jesus. We're helping mothers make a decision to hold on to their baby and to give birth. We're helping young families build up a life that they can sustain. We're sending people across the world to Antigua to help churches thrive, to Liberia to help build new churches. And we invite you to come on mission. And a lot of people in here will say, well, life's a little busy right now. Can you imagine if Jesus was too busy for the things that he did? It's become far too easy to dismiss Jesus, hasn't it? If we were honest. There's a final response. It's the one the wise men did. It's the ultimate show of reverence and awe and honor to God in heaven, who became one of us in the person of Jesus. They bowed down to him. They worshiped Jesus as king. You know, the highest form of worship that you can give somebody is to bow as low as you can in their presence. How low are you bowing? 
Do you say, Jesus, I completely surrender everything I have to you. I am your instrument. Use me and stop letting me use you. So those are your three options. You don't get other ones. There's no cop-outs. There's no fourth option hidden in there. And I wonder if you were honest with yourself, which of these three do you lean more towards? Which of these can you find yourself bullseye, dead in the middle of? Are you opposed to Jesus? You just want to live life the way you want to live it. It's comfortable. It's convenient. And you know that loving your enemy thing, it's really righteous. You admire it, but it's just not for you. Do you find yourself regularly dismissing Jesus? If so, you're not alone. Your time, your energy, your resources, those are all yours. You've collected them. You've put in that hard work so the world will tell you you've earned it, to spend it on you. And you'll get that full faith thing one day. You'll go all in one day, but just not today. Have you ever heard of the CEO Christian? My family used to be one. It's the Christmas and Easter only Christians, right? The ones that will often make the statement, like, I will leave church, but I'll take Jesus. Like, I'll kind of pick and choose what I want. I interact with people like this all the time in our community, and it's nothing against them. I can just tell who is, who's all in, who has a church community, who wants to make Jesus king of their life, and who isn't. They often have this skewed view of what church is. It's a place of rules and rituals and histories. They have this idea of who Jesus is. Oh, Jesus, man, he's a good guy. He's so kind. and I'll I'll pull a couple principles from him. And yeah, I want to live my life like Jesus. And here's the conversation I have with people like that. And maybe it's you. So here's my conversation I want to have with you. No, 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 no. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He is a king who stripped himself of all of his glory of heaven, who was born of a virgin in poverty in a cave and spent the majority of his life with the lowest of the low. And in our context today, who is the lowest of the low? I imagine that's sitting in this room right now. Those of you who can't seem to get your life together, those of you who are financially a mess, those of you whose marriages didn't work out and now you're in a bad place, those of you who have a substance abuse that you can't seem to get a hold of, those of you trying to find meaning in all the wrong places, those of you who go to bed longing for something more, who are hurting, who feel empty, Jesus came for people like that. And that person, he's standing right here on the stage. And I imagine if you're honest with yourself, he's sitting right in your seat. And here's the thing. Jesus, he didn't come into the world and do what he did because you're good. He didn't do it because you deserve it, because you earned it. Jesus did it because he is incredibly good. Because he knew there was no other way. He is the king of glory the king of righteousness, the king of all ages. He is the king of all kings. Jesus is the king who heals the sick. Jesus is the king who opens blind eyes. Jesus is the king who heals those with deaf ears. He strengthens the weak. He delivers the captive. Jesus is the king who restores the broken. 
He shelters you in the time of your deepest troubles. He's the light when the world is as dark as it can be. He's the Prince of Peace, the Lamb of God, the Alpha and the Omega, the resurrection and the life. His goodness is indescribable. His power is incomprehensible. His grace is irresistible. And at his name, darkness, it literally trembles. At his name, in his presence, demons literally flee. They can't be near him. And the devil, the devil, he hated him, but he couldn't stop him. Nothing could stop Jesus. Not even death could stop Jesus. The grave could not hold him. Jesus is that king. And I want you to know that king this morning. If you don't know that Jesus, that is the Jesus we worship here. That is the Jesus that we sing praise to every single week. That is the Jesus that we remember in the Lord's Supper every week. We remember what he did for us. That is the Jesus that the wise men knew came into the world. As they offered these odd gifts, these strange gifts, these gifts that remind the entire world who Jesus is. He is the king who came into the world to intercede for us. To sit at God's right hand, to whisper in his ears, this one's mine. He is the king who endured the worst kind of suffering that this world could offer him. And walked into it willingly because he knew it was the only way. He is the king of all the kings. And next week, we are going to turn the table. Instead of the oddest gift given to Jesus, we're going to talk about the oddest gift given to each one of us. But if we want you to remember anything this holiday season, this week, and every week of next year, is Jesus is the King. What is your response? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another time that we can come together as your people. And God, we are that inauguration crew as you walk into Jerusalem. We are the rebellious. We are the outcast. We are the immoral. We are the ones who don't seem to have our life together. God, help us place ourselves in the story. The world wants to make us think that we are king, that our opinion is the one that matters, is that our comfort and our convenience is, is master. Father God, help us put ourselves in our place this week, this morning, in this moment right now. God, help us recognize the king of all kings, the one who sits at the right hand of God, the one who sits in that heavenly throne but the one who stripped himself of all that glory to come down in the lowliest version and to rise to the highest occasion. Father, we worship that King, King Jesus, the one who gave it all for us. Father, we lift this prayer humbly in the name of that King. Amen.